Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Welcome to Real Time Real Talk, a Dexcom podcast dedicated to pharmacists and other healthcare professionals on the front lines, helping people thrive who live with diabetes. So me being able to get an alert that it's predicting my glucose will be less than 55 in the next 20 minutes and to eat some glucose so I don't have to get as low as I could have gone if I didn't get that alert. Or even sometimes I can prevent going low because I'm able to get some glucose soon enough in my body and just go on with my day and not interrupt playing football or trying to catch baseballs with my boys. So those are just a few of the things that I love. Dexcom is the leading developer of real-time continuous glucose monitoring, also known as RT-CGM and other digital technologies to better manage diabetes. Real-time CGM provides critical glycemic metrics for physicians, pharmacists, and diabetes specialists to act upon to help their patients live with as much freedom as possible. Dexcom empowers people to take control of diabetes through innovative, continuous glucose monitoring. Real Time Real Talk is a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. For more information on all Dexcom's technologies, products, and services, please visit Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M.com. listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. My name is Todd Uri, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and we're having a little bit of a party today because this is our third episode and things are getting so much smoother. If you're a podcaster, imagine you're podcasting for 13 years and then you decide to do some kind, something live. And live is stressful because uh, as a podcaster, between one to another, you get time to make things sound better. Hold on. Let me take off my sunglasses. We are getting ready for an amazing show today. We're going to start out with um, a special guest because she's got to go pick up her kids. So listen, personal life comes first. I always say family comes first. So I can't wait to introduce our special guest for just a second. I'm just going to shout out to pharmacists. Thank you for joining us this week in pharmacy brought to you by the U.S. Farmy. Please go buy a shirt. 100% of the proceeds go to U.S. Veterans. Once again, usfarmy.com, usfarmy.com. Get a shirt, go out on social media, tweet, um, send it out on Instagram, put it out on LinkedIn. If you tag us and we see you in your shirt, um, we'd like to do something. I got to come up with like a contest or something like that. But without further ado, because we got priorities, I want to introduce um, the one and only um, Jenna Quinn, Dr. Quinn. Uh, She is an expert in pediatric pharmacy. She developed the vision of what is uh, perfecting PEDS. And um, based on her extensive background, we're going to dig into some medication management. We're going to talk a little bit about pediatric population um, and just her love for kids. Obviously, I think that's 
um, inside us as parents, um, you know, especially uh, mothers that are bonding with their children right from the get-go. But I want to introduce um, Jenna, Jenna to This Week in Pharmacy. Hi, how are you, Todd? Thank you so much for having me on. I have my U.S. Farmy shirt as well. Um, and I did block off the whole hour, so you can keep me as long as you like. My, my uh, wonderful babysitter is going to be using my beautiful red van to pick up all the children. So, uh, <laughs> so that's I, the short. I, I believe in that, though. I believe, you know, there, there's a balance between our professional and our careers and our families. And I've always put my family first, even although they, they know that <clears throat> they know that dad is busy and sometimes they'll come to the studio with me. And, and I bought That's a, cool. got them a brand new Xbox X out, out in the, out in the um, waiting <laughs> area. So it, it, they can it. Do that sometimes and we can hang out together, but I'm just so glad you're here. I'm, I'm so proud of what you built. I want everyone to know there's going to be, in in our show notes when this gets published um, out on our podcast, if you go to perfectingpeds.com, you actually see um, your website and um, kind of the mission of what you've built as an expert in pediatric pharmacy. And what I'm excited about today, Jenna, is really a shout out to pharmacists out there that are interested in becoming specialists in, in something. So could you kind of give us some background on yourself? Tell us about Jenna uh, Dr. Quinn, and tell us about um, inventing and launching Perfecting Peds. Yeah, so a little bit about myself is that I, um, first and foremost, am a mother to three um, beautiful, crazy little girls, uh, five, three, and nine months. Um, so yes, right now is definitely a balance between really getting excited and launching into the entrepreneurial space, um, but also being a present mom for them, which is, is, is always, you know, a work in progress. Uh, so first off, um, I'm a mother, a wife, and um, I got interested or started in, in just pharmacy in general because my grandfather was a pharmacist. Um, he, he was my mentor for life. Um, I was always drawn to his personality and we always bonded over the dorky love for uh, both math and um, organic chemistry and bio. Uh, and so when I was making choices for my career, uh, it honestly only felt natural to go in his footsteps. Um, and so he just passed away last year but it's been really cool because my grandmother has actually been giving me slowly all of his pharmacy stuff. So to read, he was well-published in organic chemistry and had over 150 patents. So I always joke, he makes me look so stupid, but he was like brilliant. And so to really get get all of his stuff handed to me and be able to, to look at that is really nostalgic. And I'm, I'm enjoying, enjoying that. Like even his resume the other day, my grandmother gave. Um, and so, and they're near and dear. We, we drive down to Maryland uh, once a month and we're going to go see her right after this. Um, but so, but then my little sister had a uh, longstanding epilepsy. And so just her being um, sick and us having an age gap of 10 years, I always kind of fell into like a secondary caregiver. And um, between my grandfather and her, I knew... Uh, the age of 17, um, 18, that I wanted to not only do pharmacy, but specialize in, in pediatrics. So uh, fast forward through pharmacy school, I did a residency and then practiced 11 years in um, 
the PICU, NICU, PEDS-ER, or GenPEDS setting uh, for, I would say, 10 going into 11 years. And then um, I saw a, a dire need, essentially, for um, other children outside of the hospital to have the same services and medical management by a clinically trained trained pediatric pharmacists that these patients have traditionally only gotten, pediatric patients have really only gotten inside the hospital setting. So that's, that's my long-winded introduction. That's good. So you, you know what's interesting that I want to kind of bring up is, so when I was 18, 19 years old, I absolutely didn't know what I wanted to do. And having a mission in your, in your heart at that early of your life it reminds me of my sister, uh, Teresa, uh, Teresa Yuri, who is known as the Sunshine RD down in the great state of Florida. I love it. She's a registered dietitian and she believes in, you know, the world of, of being more holistic and more natural and more medicine. But she did know what she wanted to do at a very young age. So I think that there's something special about that, of, of having, you know, that vision at such a young age. Thank you. Yeah, I was 16, so that I remember. And then by 17, because I was always a little young for my grade, by that November of senior year, I'd already applied, gotten into Rutgers um, Pharmacy. And so, yeah, it is weird looking back now when I look at teenagers. I'm like, how did I know? Um, but don't worry, I got all my partying in early, so I was ready for to be serious in pharmacy school. <laughs> hey, listen. You're talking to Todd Yuri, who absolutely <laughs> loves party. Yeah, so uh, don't feel bad for me. <laughs> responsibility and passion and mission and working and party and but that's all in my mind. That's all mixed up. I'm 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 very excited about upcoming conferences to get back to um, get Same. back to seeing people. So, what conferences are you going to be attending this year? So I actually attended one, I guess it's technically 2022, but that was the, um, the tubular sclerosis complex, uh, clinic, which was really cool. I was actually able to sponsor that. So these are, these patients, not a lot of people are aware, but they have like micro, uh, angiofibromas all over their body. They have, um, high incidence of epilepsy, um, high incidences of, um, autism and, and they have a, a lot of, um, a lot of medical needs and even um, I'm involved in their like maternal health um, leg of that of that alliance as well to try to get more robust data on how these patients can safely get pregnant. Um, so that was one and that was the first time since COVID that I've been and I actually brought my younger um, my, my little baby she was she was four months old. Um, I'm a breastfeeding mom and I don't do well separating so if you see me at a conference if my baby's not with me she's probably probably somewhere around. Um, I brought my mom just to come with me. And cool. so that, that was just like rolling with the punches. They asked me to sponsor. And I was like, I don't know if I have any business doing this, but I packed up my baby and my mom came with and, and we'll do, we, we, we did that. So I'm hoping to get her into, um, I definitely want to do the, um, the ACCP I'm helping with, uh, just like on the back end of organize some of the pediatrics, uh, stuff from their like PR P, uh, PRNPs group. And then, um, I would like to, and try to be as active as I can in the, um, pediatric pharmacist association as well. And to be honest, I don't want to be seem like I, you know, have always been part of organizations and advocating because I didn't understand 
why people would join these organizations for a long time, not to sound like an awful human being, but I was in this bubble of hospital where we had high level of um, autonomy and high level of, of trust. And, and we were kind of like a well-oiled machine in the, in the pharmacy land in the hospital. And, you know, the physicians and the nurses heavily needed us. And then I came out into the community setting doing the comprehensive management now for various settings, whether it's private pay, long-term, um, acute, well, we have something called medical daycares in, in New Jersey. And I realized then interacting more, even with the retail pharmacists in New Jersey, like, wow, our autonomy is not where I thought it was. Um, and, you know, I need to join organizations. I need to get involved in legislation. Like um, I've been back and forth with uh, a lot of pharmacists that are in the um, New Jersey Board of Pharmacy Association or just on the uh, Board of Pharmacy just to help lobby for some changes that I'm seeing. So I just recently, it took me 11 years post-grad to really get into um, advocacy and, and linking arms with my fellow pharmacists because I didn't really see the need before I came out of the hospital, to be honest. You know, and what I want to ask before we run out of time, we have about 10 minutes left, okay. is there's a pharmacist out there listening that is interested in becoming a specialist and really drilling down into specific conditions that are impacting children. And, and on top of that, um, assuring that the parents of these children um, know what's going on and can resource their pharmacist, which so many of our 330 million Americans out there just don't realize what pharmacists are are capable of from from the plethora of information as the medication expert. So, as someone's listening, what are the first steps? Let's pretend I I'm a um, a chain pharmacist. I've been in chain for ten years. I want to transition specifically into pediatrics, and I don't necessarily want to go the route of hospital system, which that's kind of a a, a no duh movement that you move right. in to neonato and into taking care of kids. But let's talk about the out, the public facing, the public health facing pediatric focused pharmacist, either consultancy yes. or working with other uh, pediatricians. Tell us about that. How do, how do we get into that field? Yeah. You know what? It's um, a non-existent to be honest. And that's my, my personal goal of perfecting peds is not only to empower, to get, better information to providers, uh, better information out to, to parents, um, for everybody that is medically complex to have that clinical pharmacist link, link arms with them and have them at their disposal. But, um, also to create more pediatric trained pharmacists is a hundred percent my goal. And so, you know, of course you can do, like you're saying, you have your residency. You also have board certification. I do love the board certification, um, that, that BCP, P.S. Even I myself, it just keeps me accountable to staying up to date on the literature. Um, but also, as you know, you and I are involved in um, RPH Ally, and that's just one of the many ways that a pharmacist, I love it. It's kind of like LinkedIn just for pharmacists and really for pharmacists who, I mean, it, it doesn't matter where you're coming from, but pharmacists who want to link arms and do advocacy, who want to specialize, who want to um, 
start either start their own business or just grow their knowledge. So if you specifically were interested in that, um, our PH ally, we have a one year where you can just buy in for one year. And, um, my partner and I just post a, a plethora of different things like the hot topic right now, um, that I just jumped on and did a live with Kevin Walker about was, you know, how, how as pharmacists do we navigate these really scary pediatric drug shortages? We have Tylenol, we have amoxicillin, Augmentin, Seftonir, and um, Tamiflu suspensions all on back order. And, you know, and you show up to the CVS retail window and they're like, we don't have it. And I, and I know my nine month old and my three year old, I've showed up and they said, Oh, sorry, Mrs. Quinn, we'll order it for tomorrow. We'll order it in. It'll probably tomorrow the next day. And that's not an okay answer. And so, you know, that, that Avenue is a great, a great, um, it's a, it's a great way to educate other pharmacists on certain specialties and also provide that advocacy and support that we all need as pharmacists. So I really do love that. And a shout out to Sean, who is an um, amazing leader of our, of our entire group. But yes, it's, it's scary what's it happening right now. We just made the national news. Uh, North Carolina medicine shelves to remain empty. Tylenol restocking still up in the air. Yeah, like... Day. How and a lot of kids like if you think of a kid that has like a past medical history of like a gastric bleeder, stomach bleeder, a kid that has kidney disease, or a kid that's six months or younger, under six the age of six months, they can't use ibuprofen, so they need Tylenol. And so we, Kevin and I, were talking like you got to get creative, you got to use suppositories, you have to use chewable tablets, you can make doses from a half a tablet and crush it, you can make it from a regular tablet and crush it and put it in pureed food. Um, so, and I think it's again the job of pharmacists in the in the retail space. The community pharmacists have the most access to the patients, so I think empowering them with this knowledge is definitely one of my three big visions of perfecting peds in this company is to empower as many pharmacists as possible to be comfortable answering the pediatric and actually also maternal health questions that a lot of them tend to shy away from because it is uncomfortable when you're dealing with a fetus um, and, and a mom that's pregnant and or a child who's very tiny and they're not little adults. So that's 100% one of the arms of my uh, business that I really hope to expand and grow and, and help other pharmacists. So I want to share something uh, that was out in the news and I want you want your comments on it, but yeah. just one second. In yeah. an each court, here's lawsuit filed against pharmacies after 200 children die from tainted cough syrup. Families of Indonesian children who died because of tainted cough syrup demanded restitution as an Indonesian court on Tuesday started hearing their class action lawsuit against pharmaceutical firms and government agencies. About 200 children have died of acute kidney injury in Indonesia since last year and authorities have said two ingredients, ethylene glycol and diethylene glycol, found in some syrup-based paracetamol medications are linked to the illness. The two ingredients are used in antifreeze, brake fluids and other industrial applications, but also as a cheaper alternative in some pharmaceutical products to glycerin, a solvent or thickening agent in many cough syrups. They can be toxic and can lead to acute kidney injury. So, I mean, Jenna, we don't ever want to see this happen. And we know that um, the the healthcare professionals, the pharmacists, the doctors that are that are yeah. in Indonesia, they did not intend that obviously to happen. But that that 
that is what parents that's like a parent's worst nightmare yeah and i think too like i get like part of my i always always joke that i have like 30 years till i retire and like one of my big goals is like get parents educated on over-the-counter like i actually don't know why we offer pediatric cough and cold meds if you ever ask like a pediatrician or a pediatric pharmacist their thoughts on cough and cold i'm like no your child does not need it give them some water thin those secretions and they will come out no i i have not there's there's an exception of like you know, one that has honey in it, but I'll just say, give your, if they're over the age of two, give them honey that will stop their cough. But cough and cold medicine is, is not real. It's not safe in the pediatric population. And I don't like it. And I hate that they market towards it. Um, you know, I think we have a, a level up in, in fact that we have some regulatory, um, things in obviously regulatory government agencies in place that, that do monitor all those things. But we know over the counters are less monitored than we would if we have like an FDA approved drug that's, you know, in the pharmacy. But that being said, those excipients, um, something called polyethylene glycol or peroxide are excipients that exist, which is the inactive ingredient. So like I say these dorky things and I forget I have to break them down. So the, the inactive ingredient in these medications can be toxic to children and especially they can be toxic to children if they're little. And so we know it can cause in neonates something called neonatal gasping syndrome, um, which is fatal. And then we also know that it can accumulate, those uh, glycols can accumulate in renal injury and, and cause further renal, renal damage or kidney damage. So I think it's just so important because how different pediatrics is that that we arm as many pharmacists as possible with that with that knowledge and so i think you know knowing your drug references is like you know pharmacy 101 but it can't stress the importance of they will list if a medication has those toxic ingredients in it that aren't necessarily toxic to you or i but if i'm a ba a, a small newborn baby or even further if i'm a baby that's premature they cannot have those inactive ingredients or they will get what we call neonatal gasping syndrome they can 100% get um kidney injury depending on what the the inactive ingredient is so i i believe it because we even have not those two that were quoted but we do have inactive ingredients that tiny children can cannot have so i want to let the listeners know and i'm excited about this you're joining the um pharmacist review um podcast and you're going to help um um build out that content uh dr yeah. allison chung helped us launch that podcast and i just want to give a shout out to other pharmacists listening this network is about you it is about pharmacists advancing and innovating pharmacy care so uh, dr chung kicked it off but now dr quinn is going to participate and help grow out a very specific content that is backed by um, evidence-based study journal reviews um, things that um, that you want to bring up. It's going to be driven by you and Dr. Chung. So, just give us some highlights. What what some, what are some of the topics you're thinking of bringing to the to the PPN? Yeah, I'm really really excited about this. Um, but I think just something like over the counter medications, um, like 
something that, you know, that basic, you know, what, how do you, how do you approach a child versus an adult? But also I was listening this morning to, there's like a kid's list now, which is super exciting. Um, it's been, I feel like it's just, it's growing the pharmacists that I'm in Jersey made it. Um, but it's kind of like the beers list in geriatrics. So medications to avoid impedes. Um, I think, you know, through this, we can have more, uh, pharmacists comfortable with like the basic diseases that you're going to see, which are like ear infections, pneumonia, asthma. Um, and I, and I do want to also bring innovative stuff like the use of, um, you know, cannabidiol and, and CBD in pediatric patients. And, a big thing that I am very interested in is, you know, behavioral behavioral med because I personally struggled from the age of 15. So we'll, I, I would want to get those those topics talked about. We have a lot of parents who struggle with behaviors of their children. Um, and so autism has always been something that I've always loved, um, ADHD. And so especially now coming out of COVID, my dad is a principal and retiring. I was just telling Tab before we started, he's going to join my team as a as a as a technician, which is awesome. But he said like what he's seeing in children right now in his 36 years of being a health, being um, in the education field, he's never seen um, like just their, their mental health. So things like that, that you can really empowering the pharmacist with knowledge, empowering parents with knowledge so that when they go in to the pediatrician, they feel like they can ask that that question, that extra question, and not feel like quote unquote stupid. Um, because really, not only do I want to help educate pharmacists, I want to help educate, give pediatricians even more pediatric medicine knowledge, and then also those those parents, because you know parents really want to do what's best for their children, and so they can do it through being empowered with more, with more reliable, I should say, not like all the stuff that's like, you yeah. know, on social media that like is run, these groups are run by some interesting people, but so get reliable resources and information. Well, I do want to give a shout out to our favorite hashtag out on Twitter, uh, Twitter RX. If you want to filter the bull crap um, and you want to just listen to what pharmacists oh, professionals have to say, that is an amazing hashtag that's been around for years and it really filters down to conversations and discussions specifically driven by pharmacists. So that's just, awesome. Yeah. So, um, by the way, what is your fav favorite social media platform? I think you're, you're more of an Instagram. Um, I am, I did Instagram. I do like Instagram cause I like their reels. Um, I think they're fun to do, but then, um, I do love LinkedIn too, because you know, I, I honestly, last year I had, um, of course, come here, Todd, real life. Right. So one, one of them found me. I knew one of them was going to find me. Um, I, I love it. Um, so this is Hadley, but, um, I can't hide from them. So, but, um, I also love LinkedIn too, because up until last year, I actually only oddly enough had like 20 followers. And then I started using it and I get a lot of really rewarding messages to me selfishly, like, you know, that, that, that post resonated so well with me, or, you know what, I see what you're doing. You're a mom of three, like I'm going to start my business. And so, you know, being other people's cheerleaders on LinkedIn and providing that kind of value to me is, is selfishly rewarding to me. And I'm enjoying that, that component of it too. That's awesome. Thanks for joining the show. Do you want to see my bird? So oh, good. This is our, <gasps> this is our Twitter, our expert. Look how cool. 
<laughs> She's like, mom. Mom. Um, they actually, they like our uh, dynamics at this age. It's like when they're teenagers, they'll roll their eyes and be like, oh. whatever. Well, it was the true story right before we get off. Uh, it was a few days ago, and I was just wearing this, like, crummy T-shirt. It wasn't your U.S. farmer's shirt, for, so let's be, <laughs> let's be clear. But she, my five-year-old said, you're not going to, like, drop me off in that, are you? And I was like, oh, my God, it's oh begun. God. Like, it's begun. <laughs> Shut down by your child because you are not cool enough. No, and I'll yeah. never be, but that's okay. That is so funny. So... Got to have you back on This Week in Pharmacy when we start to gather steam and start yes. to really feature some uh, treatments, some medications, uh, clinical trials, uh, collaboration with physicians, pediatricians, specialists. Um, yes. I'd like to have uh, some uh, uh, treatment discussions on live with patients in our studio. We have several people cool. in my specific community that have children even one having a rare disease, and it would be an opportunity for us to dialogue and talk. But it yes, has. I would out- love that. Yes, absolutely. It's been and a joy to have you here. Um, I I want you to not only come back here, but we can't wait to listen to a new episode of um, of the Pediatric Pharmacist Review. So, but thank you so much for being here, uh, uh, Doctor Jenna Quinn. And once thank again, you. just to let everybody know, you can go to. Uh, Jenna's website, um, it is called perfectingpeds.com. Once again, that's perfectingpeds.com. Dr. Jenna Quinn, uh, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Jenna, have a great weekend. And thank, thank you. You, you too. Shirt. Send us a picture of you in that shirt too with your with your kid and with your with your baby. I will. I will. Thank that's, you so much. It's always a pleasure. You. And I'm excited to work with you, Todd. Me too. Take Talk care, guys. All right. So I want to talk to you about some more news and um, this bothers me. So I, I do want to bring this up and um, let me see. I will. Rural Pennsylvanians stranded by healthcare giants insurer UPMC and its new pharmacy benefit manager express scripts are squeezing local independent pharmacies with residents caught in the crossfire. In an overnight purge, UPMC, the third largest insurer in the state and the most powerful hospital network, dropped over 1,200 pharmacies from its health plan. When the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association tried contacting UPMC for clarification on why certain local pharmacies were kicked off and not others, Pat Lavella, the president of PPA, ran into an all-too-familiar case of corporate blame game. Express Scripts told us UPMC made the decision, then we called UPMC and they said, well, you'd better call Express Scripts. They issued the letter, said Lavella. This bothers me. Um, now listen to me. I am a Pittsburgher. I'm proud to be a Pittsburgher. And um, I love UPMC as a health system. They're a very strong health system. They're run by some amazing people. They're heroes of mine. They're pharmacy divisions, heroes of mine. Um, but this, um, I, I know that there's contracting. I know that there's struggles. I know that there's bureaucracy, but we have got to start really paying attention to meeting patients where they are. Patients are in their communities. Lots of patients rely on their community independent pharmacy specifically for not only their care, but their history of, their, of what, their, what their family is going through. 
And when you expect UPMC to pick this up and kick it out to a mail order or to something that doesn't involve the community pharmacy, it literally rocks that chronic patient that needs that specific help and that specific knowledge with their specific independent community pharmacy. I'm going to get off that soapbox, but it's just a shout out to UPMC. We, we appreciate you. We like the organization. We like what you're doing for our community here in the greater Pittsburgh, but do not shut out independent community pharmacy. And um, I think we'll have a show on that at, at, at some other point, but I just want to, um, I just want to make that point. And, and before we get on to our next special guest, don't forget to support your local community pharmacies, local pharmacy in general. Uh, there's just a, 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 quality, a quality difference than expecting your mailman or your mail lady or your mail person to deliver um, your medications and, and not have that personal touch with a clinician who really understands what you are going through. I, I'm excited. So I met um, our next guest organization. I have not met um, who we're going to be interviewing next, which is going to be Chris Blackley. He is the CEO and co-founder of Prescriptive Health. But I have met several times the team at Prescriptive Health at several conferences, and I've been um, excited to talk with them and to um, and to review the, the platform that they have built specifically for pharmacists because of the fact that they're really allowing independent community pharmacies to really grow their business with the additional services that they're going to provide and empower community pharmacies to tap into clinical plans and treatment plans, as well as integration and, and other things that they're doing with, um, with physicians and physician groups. Um, the MyRx Pro, a powerful platform to control your schedule. Um, it's HIPAA compliant. It's um, it, We're going to really get into this right now, but I do want to welcome to uh, this week in pharmacy, um, the one and only Chris Blackley, CEO and founder of Prescriptive Health. Um, Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Todd. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. So no pressure. It's live. So if you say something stupid <laughs> or if you make an embarrassment, then it's your fault. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I appreciate that. I'm confident there's a good possibility I might say something that I regret, but I'll try not to. <laughs> so your compliance team and and the, the company legal is like, wait, Chris is going what? And they're like live and nobody knows. And then here you are. But I just said at the beginning of the show, I've been a podcaster for 14 years now. It'll be 14 years, March 2nd. And, um, and, and live for me, even though I'm, um, you know, I, I present all the time. That's stressful. I, I down deep inside, I don't like it, but um, but we're but we're moving with the times, so that's why we're doing it. Well, I've got to tell you, nobody told me this was live. I did a podcast um, a couple of months ago, and uh, it was not live, and, and I was glad. I was glad for that. Um, <laughs> nobody gave me that warning this time. So this, who knows what could happen. It was a surprise. I know. If you want to get up and dance because it's Pharmacy Friday, you're more than welcome to. We actually danced before you actually came on, um, but you missed out on the party part, but that's all right. I, I do want to get into some questions with you because I'm really interested in this um, platform. I've met up with your prescriptive team, such professional people um, that, that really believe in empowering pharmacists and the evolution of our pharmacist role in healthcare. 
And this platform uh, does exactly that. It's it's infrastructure, but it's it's it. What I like about the system because I saw a demo on it when I was at HLTH, is the fact that it allows pharmacists to work on their workflow and their decisions, and kind of use prescriptive as a as a booster of those treatment programs and and about that consultancy. Give our listeners just an overview of what is prescriptive. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate appreciate the the chance to talk about it, Todd. But I think I think it's important when when talking about what is prescriptive, give a little bit of perspective on philosophy. Um, you know, I've I've been in in this space for over twenty years. I spent some time on it back in the early two thousands, and um, what what captured me or you know captured my passion uh, for pharmacy is. Uh, and and I, I'm a technologist. I'm not a pharmacist. So folks who have, I've not had a chance to meet, I'm, I'm not a pharmacist, but uh, I've learned a lot from pharmacists. And I had a I had a pharmacist tell me when I was providing technology to pharmacies back in 99, 2000, that told me that when when you send a pharmacist on the rounds with a physician in a, in a hospital, there's a material, I don't remember the number, but it, it blew me away. It, it was a huge number. The mortality rate in a, in a hospital drops dramatically when you send the pharmacist with them. And I don't know why, but that stuck with me. And then over the course of a couple of years, I spent more and more time with pharmacists. And I started going to my pharmacists and talking to my pharmacist friends more than I talked to my primary care physician. That's where I started going for healthcare. Yeah. Just and 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 I would say over and it's really been reinforced since I start, we started prescriptive in 2017. There's a personality I think that a, that is attracted to pharmacy. And you talk to pharmacists that are you know second generation, third generation. I know fourth generation pharmacists. There there's a there's a connection. There's a there's a caring there that exists. Um, and then. There's a, also the fact that they're a small business owner, so they're doing, they're they're providing healthcare, they're they're connecting with their patients, and they're running a small business. And my dad ran a small business, and I know how hard that is. And I, I think very people who've never people who have never done that can't appreciate how hard it is to run a small business. And so there, there's a personality profile I think that attracts pharmacists to the profession where they care about people, and and so. When you look at the challenges that pharmacies are struggling to, to, with today to run a business and to survive and to provide care in their local communities, that, that's a huge part of who Prescriptive is. And so that has nothing to do with technology or the platform, but it, it is part of our DNA. And so then you look at the, the industry and you look at the practice of pharmacy and, and the profession it's going through a lot of change financially. It's challenging. You you just talked about UPMC and, and what's happening there. That's just one of many things that are making it hard. Um, and, and the way the profession and the economy for pharmacy is developed over the last 20 years. And so when we look at how, how can you use technology to help pharmacy and help pharmacists and help their patients, that transition of moving from, you know, purely focusing on dispensing medications and helping the pharmacist practice at the top of the license of their license and provide care and clinical services is, is really important. Um, not just because it's effective and it's good for healthcare, but it's also necessary for, for pharmacists as small business owners to help make the, that transition. 
So give me an example of how you'd enter into the workflow of a community pharmacy who's using um, a pharmacy management system who has abilities to build APIs in and out um, yeah. or workflow management. But give our listeners kind of the the down and dirty of of the what the application is doing. Is it, by the way, is it wet, is it cloud-based? Is it premise-based or how does it work? Yeah. No, it's it's 100% cloud-based. Uh, we actually, we don't charge access fees or anything like that. Uh, and so it's cloud-based, it's very easy. Um, candidly, we're, we're working to provide more and more integration into the core pharmacy management system because we're not, we're not trying to replace the pharmacy management system yeah. that they have today. So integration is important. We're trying to add to what they're doing from a business perspective and, and extend their reach into clinical services, provide all the payment services uh, and, and make sure that payments, uh, payments happening. So we're early in the integration piece. And so it, it's separate and apart from the pharmacy's PMS uh, system that they're using for dispensing. Uh, and we're getting better at that and, and continue to do more. And candidly, pharmacies can help us with that by saying, hey, we want this. And so that helps us work with their partner that they're, that they're working with on the, on the pharmacy management system side. I think a unique thing for us that, that we're trying to push and, and we're seeing success with is we're extending the pharmacy out into the consumer. So one of our core tenets as a company is empowering the patient. We think that if you empower the patient at the point of care when they're talking to the doctor with information and choice, when they show up at the pharmacy, all the barriers to access to the medication and what they need at the pharmacy can be solved uh, before they show up at the counter. The administration of the pharmacy benefit manager and the benefit plan all lands on the pharmacist and the patient, and it breaks down when they show up at the counter. And so that connection to the patient through their mobile phone before they get out of the doctor's office, the ability to then find the pharmacy, get a, an appointment made for a clinical service, get it scheduled get them to the pharmacy and then get the pharmacist paid is really what it's all about. So we're really focused on that interaction between pharmacist as provider and patient before they leave the doctor's office and that workflow for the pharmacy and making that super, super simple versus, you know, focusing on the dispensing workflow. And so seeing those two things work together, but that's, we're not going after the other, we're going after how do you get the patient into the pharmacy, get a book, get the patient, to the pharmacy and get the pharmacist paid for the service. So Chris, where is the connection? How do we connect pharmacists and patients through prescriptive? They're inextricably linked together in the technology. When we built the platform, we started with the premise that it's patient first and every interaction, every transaction is contemplating how do you engage the patient through their patient journey? And so when they, get a, when they get an electronic prescription, when there's a claim for payment, um, all of that is used to trigger via a text message to the patient to get them to engage, get them information. Um, you know, we, with the right integration, we could do things like, hey, if the pharmacy is out of stock on a product, you know, let's schedule for you to pick it up tomorrow when they'll have it. So everything is fully integrated with the consumer experience on the mobile device. When we started in 17, people thought we were crazy for believing that patients would use their mobile phone for healthcare. Uh, you jump through a pandemic and now it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And so we're trying to 
and one of the things that's really important on this is that we did a research study, hired a third party, and, and I think somewhere north of 80% of patients said that the, the predominant consideration for them in picking a pharmacy was convenience. But historically, convenience was determined by your location. So if your consumer patient is choosing your pharmacy because of location, there's not a whole lot you can do beyond physical location to, to attract your, your, your patients and customers into, the, into your store. That's not true now with technology. You can deliver convenience independent of location through technology. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get that convenience of the pharmacy and the patient engagement to the consumer through their mobile device and then get them into the store. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And the scheduler uh, seems to be, um, you know, that uh, path between the patient and the pharmacist for, for scheduling. And then as I read through the website, there's other features that are uh, prescription shopping and um, and then, of course, it says fewer doctor's uh, visits, um, which which ties back to the fact that people are seeing their pharmacist nine times more yes. um, than they are their primary care. And and just as a shout out, if you are a DO, if you are a physician, if you are someone in, in academia, um, we're not trying to change the roles between pharmacists and physicians. We are trying to just empower the physician's roles and 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 be able to empower them through the pharmacy sector and through what pharmacists do through medication management and medication safety. And um, I've never taken a stand where I'm wanting the pharmacist to uh, eclipse the physician. I always say football. I love football, uh, Chris. I'm not sure if you do. It's the playoffs, by the way. So um, this is relevant. Um, I'm a Bills fan now. Now that the Steelers are knocked out, I'm a Bills fan. <laughs> what about you? Who are you voting for? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not at all aware of what's happening with the playoffs. So in football, <laughs> I look at the physician as our quarterback, and then they're passing the treatment plan to their, to their running back, to their tight end, to their wide receiver. And then the, they're using the talents of those players uh, to run the treatment and to go. <laughs> the treatment. But along the way, we know that phys- uh, pharmacists have to juke and sometimes have to make changes because it's, Medication safety of all of that defense, all of that adverse uh, adversity, all of that obstacles coming at the treatment plan and driving that treatment plan to the goal. We have to allow a wide receiver or a tight end to do what they're best at doing. We have to allow the, the, the medication expert to do what they're doing. And, you know, what I like about prescriptive above and beyond the technology is the fact that you understand the obstacle between good pharmacy care has a component in it, which is the world of the PBM. And mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of dig into your insights reg- regarding reform and also regarding, you know, a question that I have for you is, you know, are you anticipating that House and Senate to pass regulations um, on PBMs, so a little stronger uh, PBM regulation in 2023? I absolutely do. And, and I can tell you part of the reason I'm confident in that is because, I was in DC earlier this week. I was there uh, earlier in the year and earlier in the month, and I was there in November. And I'm going back, and I'm sitting down, and I'm talking directly with the Senate offices and staff of the folks who are writing the legislation. There's a very, I would, and this is different. I, I think it's important to understand that 
there's a material shift in the level of interest. I, you know, when I was talking with regulators and legislators at state and federal level three, four years ago, there was relatively little interest. And I don't think it was because they weren't interested in the problem. It was because they didn't understand it and the complexity. This is, this is a very difficult industry to understand. And that takes time to understand. And, and time is challenging. So what's different is they're hiring staff and they're, they're focused on spending time and they're committed to doing something. And the if education is what's needed and they're taking the time to get educated. And when you understand what's happening, nobody with you know any sort of compassion and understanding of the importance of the pharmacist's role in care will do nothing. It's just impossible. And so I know because of the conversation I'm having personally firsthand to help educate them and help them understand what are the levers to pull in order to have a material impact. Because honestly, I think a lot of what's happened in the past around legislation has been nipping at the edges and not going at the core of the problem. Yeah, and and I am not anti-PBM. I am anti-status quo PBM. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, we, you know, I've worked with a, um, a guy who was a rock star and his sons are still in healthcare. Um, his, his name was Dom Meff Sr. He was from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. God bless his soul. I learned so much from, um, from Dom. His son, Dom Meff Jr., is in the specialty market. And, um, and Dom Sr. really taught me about um, different aspects of, of PBMs and the way that they were. And his description of PBMs in the 80s and 90s was exactly what PBMs were supposed to be doing. Yeah, and that's really right. Assisting and accelerating and helping yeah. manage formularies and just, and just demystifying the insurance aspect. And it was yeah. wonderful. And then all of a sudden, someone smelled the blood or someone smelled the money and I the know. eyes rolled back in the, in the heads of these, uh, these stockbrokers in, 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 in Wall Street. And they started saying, wow, there's an algorithm that we could build. And it's completely been taken over, in, much heavier leaning towards uh, money and profit and steering and, and has nothing to do with, with pharmacy care. And so now it's time to not hate. I don't hate PBMs. It's time to shift them the pendulum. It's time to bring the pendulum back to the middle. And in my opinion, a little bit more to the other side where pharmacists, physicians, and patients are collectively making this, the, the decisions about how to spend their pharmacy benefits. So that, that's, that's absolutely right. When, when PBMs figured out, and, and I know who it was, and I've spoken with them personally, <laughs> figured out. Can you tell that, us? <laughs> and, all right, tell you that. We should have a beer sometime. <laughs> um, but when, when they figured out that they can make more money on arbitraging the market on drugs than they could selling technology, they, um, they changed their business model. And, and that's fundamentally what happened. But I'll be honest with you, this is not a situation where the house can be remodeled and you're going to transform PBMs into something different than what they are. They're rotten to the core and the house has to be raised and remodeled and rebuilt from scratch. You're not, the, the financial incentives are too great. You're not going to incent people to transform and go after something different. The money is too big. And it's, you know, PBM stands for perfect business model. There's a reason for that. It's frustrating, but 
you know, organizations like you who are showing that pharmacist roles that are advancing and changing and you're empowering them through the technology that you're providing, it means that you are literally in the trenches with us all. So uh, that's why I've always enjoyed um, Prescriptive. I learned about you through a, um, a PR agency that works with you, a shout out to them and just bringing them to the to the forefront. And then I started like stalking your guys out in the out on the uh, Twitter sphere, as well as um, uh, some of the conferences that you're attending. Speaking of conferences, what's, what's the next conference that we could shout out to um, our listeners so that they know to, to meet up with the prescriptive team? Well, I know that we're at the American Pharmacy Association's uh, events. I know that we're at the NCPA events. Um, I, I we're at a lot of the local state level uh, conferences and events. We sponsor many of them, trying to get um, you know as much lift as we can for the organizations themselves. And so I think there's probably just about any of them that you could you could identify that that we're uh, engaged in. We're trying to to do everything that we can in that regard to to help be a voice for the role of the pharmacist. There's there. You know, they're within a few miles of everybody in the country, and they're exceptionally educated, and they care. They absolutely care. So that's part of what we're trying to do. For our listeners that aren't aren't watching us live, but you're listening to this as a podcast later, um, you can go to prescriptive.com. Uh, that's P-R-E-S-C-R-Y-P-T-I-V-E. Um, some interesting and very creative marketing there with the name. I love it. Uh, always, if you go to the conferences, look for the purple booth. It's a gorgeous purple booth with people in booth that every time I walk up, there's smiles, there's excitement. I like that, Chris. I can't stand walking up to a booth and looking at a bunch of people that look like they're bored to be there. I want to meet with people that are innovating uh, healthcare, but more importantly, really empowering our pharmacists. So I want to I want to let you know I've been in pharmacy now since 2004, long enough to to have. A, a pulpit to say this, but um, your your crew is is extremely professional, and I'm always impressed. I appreciate that. That's the best thing I've heard today. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So we got to have you back. I want to break this down for our listeners. Um, this is more like I said, we surprised you. Thank you so much for <laughs> moving, with the, moving with the punches of going live. But uh, you did an amazing job. Um, but I do want to have prescriptive back, really starting to show where the technology amplifies, let's say, a specific chronic condition and how a bucket of patients that are out there are more keen to really paying attention to their scheduling and being a little bit more in tune, knowing that their health it could change within a month if they're not on yeah. top of it. And pharmacists can be there to, to catch those Absolutely. patients and assure the safety. So, But Chris, you are a rock star. can't wait to meet you in person. I'm going to be at the APHA, by the way. We're going to talk about our conference um, leg next and, and what conferences we're going to go to. But let's make sure that you get to the APHA booth. We're going to be embedded with the American Pharmacist Association. So please come over and say hi. Absolutely. Thank you, Todd. Really appreciate it. And uh, happy to join anytime. If we can go deeper on anything, let me know. Absolutely. Chris with Prescriptive, thanks for being here on this week in pharmacy. Thank you, Todd. All right. I do want to talk conferences um, before we wrap up um, the This Week in Pharmacy show today. I also want to ask you, you're watching the show right now. I want this to be, when you watch This Week in Pharmacy, uh, three months from now, one year from now, five years from now, 
I want this show to evolve. So I want you to use hashtag TwitterRx. Give us a shout out on Twitter. Tag at Pharmacy Podcast to let us know that you're talking with us and give us some updates. What would you like to see on a weekly program that can continue to drive the value of pharmacists as well as information for you? We're going to do a little bit of news. We want to do talk about conferences that we're going to be at in order to network with you. But I want to know the pharmacists that are in the trenches. What would a, a weekly news program, what would you get most out of that weekly news program? And the contributions are going to come from you, which are the listeners. So if you want to be part of uh, This Week in Pharmacy, um, you can uh, go to our website. You can go to our Twitter, our Instagram, our LinkedIn, find a link, email me. Um, I'll send you a scheduler so that you can actually get on. But let's talk about conferences. The first conference that we're going to be at is going to be the HITMIC conference. And this is the Health Information Technology Marketing Conference. This is an amazing group of people that have been around now for 10 years. A shout out to Colin uh, Hung, who helped to start this organization. This is the Health Information Technology Marketing Conference. It's all about uh, marketing, and it's really more about the innovation of communications and marketing. And um, I'm going to be attending this for the very first time. Um, The Pharmacy Podcast Network received um, the Podcast of a Year Award from HITMIC. Uh, So we were honored to be be, uh, featured by uh, Colin Hong. Here he is right here his handsome face and in his team. And, and um, I, I want to give a shout out to Gil Bash with um, Finn Partners, uh, to Grace Vinton, who's one of my buddies, and we meet up at conferences all the time. They're going to also be speaking. And then the one and only uh, myself, I'm going to be speaking on podcasting. What do you know? That's a great, conf- or great uh, subject to be speaking on. But I really want to talk about podcasting with a purpose. I do not like people launching podcasts just to bandwagon, especially in the business of um, healthcare. And I think that podcasting should be secondary and should be amplifying and should be supportive to a primary uh, um, theme or a primary uh, group of information. So I'm going to talk about that with you. I'm going to challenge podcasters in healthcare to level up and to assure that the content that they put out is very supportive to something primary and to uh, amplify um, our healthcare providers. And you know, I'm never going to stop amplifying uh, pharmacists. The next conference that we're going to, so HITMIC is is going to be the 1st of February. So if you're in Vegas, if you want to go to this conference, uh, we're going to be tweeting about it, Instagram and LinkedIn about it. Um, that's going to be on the 1st of February. Then on the 17th of February, we are going to the one and only Diversify RX conference. A shout out to Pharmacy 50, most influential people in pharmacy, Lisa Fast, who actually launched Diversify RX uh, five, six, seven years ago. I can't remember. Time's going by too fast. But this is a conference designed for pharmacy owners and really helping you to navigate and to invest in technologies, processes, programs that other pharmacy owners have vetted so that you don't have to buy anything that's not going to work for you or it's not right for you because you really get to listen to presenters at this conference that know what they're doing as pharmacy owners. One pharmacy owner might have success in a program that another pharmacy owner won't, but I guarantee you if you go to Diversify RX, you will come out of that conference with something 
that is going to set your mind on fire, that's going to be good, um, good use of healthcare, good use of technology, good use of your time as a pharmacy owner in your community. And um, that's what's most important is going to these conferences. These conferences are supposed to be uh, teaching opportunities. And this one, Diversify RX, is all about teaching you as a pharmacy owner what you should be paying attention to in leveraging the next thing to help your pharmacy business. Whether that's better accounting, whether that's better technology or a platform or a program or something like Happier at Home, which works with Pharmacy Podcast Network. A shout out to Debbie and her team. Happier at Home is that franchise model, which it, it, it enhances and brings in uh, cash-based money, cash-based revenue to your community pharmacy so that you can deliver more home care services to your um, to your people that can't leave their homes. And then the mothership, the one and only, the APHA 2023, uh, the annual meeting and exposition in Phoenix, Arizona. If you want to meet up with the Pharmacy Podcast team, we're having the entire team, whole team there, whole team. I know there's a there's a whole team song that I would like to play right now, but I think with um, rights of songs, we can't play what I want. But the whole team for PPN will will be there, um, and we're going to have uh, Brady and and Kevin and Rachel and myself. We are the media sponsors and media support for the APHA 2023. We will be in the APHA's main booth, so please come um, meet up with us. We're going to be talking about. Um, many uh, different things that are supportive to the APHA and the fact that we are helping them to run locked on pharmacy. Um, it's been exciting. This show has been packed. I can't believe how fast an hour goes by, um, but we are actually um, coming to the end of our show. Once again, shout out to pharmacists, shout out to pharmacy technicians, the right hand of our pharmacists. If there's anything that Pharmacy Podcast Network can do for you, um, please let us know. Uh, you can always find us on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We're even on TikTok. We don't do a good job on TikTok, but we are learning. And really, that's it. That's the end of our show today. We thank you for spending your afternoon with us. Like I said, if you're listening to us on podcast, on any of your favorite platforms, please subscribe to the Pharmacy Podcast Network and support us. By the way, go get your U.S. Farmy shirt, usfarmy.com. Once again, that's usfarmy, P-H-A-R-M-Y. Dot com, and we cannot wait to spend time with you next week in, in pharmacy and talking more about what's going to be happening in, in our industry. Next week, we're going to be talking about clinical trials and the evolution of clinical trials in community pharmacy. Wait until you hear our guests that we have lined up for you. It's going to blow you away because you have got to pay attention to clinical trials and how community pharmacy will be impacted by that and the business opportunity in that as well. And with that, I say peace. I love you pharmacists. I love what you do. My favorite providers. We can't wait to see you next time.